Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. So this is part two of my amazing conversation with Kenny and Bianca. If you haven't heard part one, then definitely go back and have a listen to the last podcast. Um, It was so good. And this part is equally as fantastic. I'm not even going to lie. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. The extent to which you can have that discipline when you're dating says a lot about the discipline you'll be able to have totally. when you're together and and probably people don't realize the transferability of these things yeah. to you know saving money or to um you know to things that are important when you're married and the discipline needed for that and mm-hmm. i think there's a connection between um discipline in terms of your body and how you yeah. steward your, your your sex drive and things like that and just discipline in life um more more generally yeah, so good. Like I, I remember reading once something along the lines of, if you dishonor your partner's body when you're dating and you're willing to really take one another for granted during the mm. dating phase, then when you get married, what's to say that you're not going to take one another for granted and commit adultery? Because if mm-hmm. you lack that trust, because ultimately if you're going to walk in sexual impurity even as a couple you're breaking one another's trust and if you're willing to do that when you're dating then there's a chance that if you do end up getting married that you would also break one another's trust in marriage as well um and I, but I think sometimes people think that just because the infatuation or the affection or the love that they have for one another they almost see it as a purifier but it's not, it's still breaking trust of one another and it's still a place of dishonour that really the only way you can resist that is if you have no sexual intimacy whatsoever. I think that no, I definitely think that not kissing is so important because like you said, Kenny, it always leads to something. And I love that you and Bianca had that conversation that what are we going to do? Are we going to peck or are we going to French kiss? What are we going to do? Because if you don't have those kind of boundaries in place, then kissing on the lips invariably leads to tongues, which invariably leads to caressing and then foreplay. And then before you know it, it's like there's so much heat on that you don't know how to control it. So it's almost like how far do you go? Like what is your boundary? Um, It's tricky, you know, because obviously if you're sexually attracted to someone, you're going to want to be with them, but it just leads to too much of a struggle, I think. Yeah, and I remember that, um, like it was way, it was, absolutely more important to Kenny physical touch and the boundaries around that and I was I remember being less like I wanted like Kenny was really affectionate as like a very huggy mm-hmm. holding happy type of guy and I and I enjoyed that but then I I'm the one that wanted like you know to kiss and be affectionate like that and, and I knew that I I was never going to cross my big boundaries in it like that was never going to happen mm-hmm. so I was fine with that but I had to learn during the course of our dating that, that I needed to respect Kenny's boundary because yeah. for him it was that made it was much more difficult for him, even though I knew that he was not going to be able to get into my knickers. For him and his mind and where what would yeah. what would happen to him when we would really allow those heated moments to happen was um it wasn't cool for his own personal purity. So the journey that I went on, initially I don't think I regarded that as high as I should have, but over the course of our relationship our dating relationship I grew to care about that but it's important to care about the other person's value like to honor the other person's walk with God and the other person's even peace of mind and peace of heart yeah like they're going to do something that they like they don't want to do no it's not a big deal for you or you don't feel like it's a big deal for you it could it maybe it could be your your you're not aware but if, even if you feel like it's not a big deal for you but do you care enough about the other person yeah. to yeah. honor their boundaries at the very least yeah so good because i in um sacred sexuality i talk about when you're dating um share with one another why sexual purity is so important because it might just be oh sexual purity is important because you know as christians we need to be sexually pure but when you're feeling horny and two people are attracted to each other righteousness might go out of the window but if you know that actually when we do struggle with sexuality then it makes us feel guilt or it makes us feel shame or actually we find it difficult to then draw 
closer to God and it grieves our heart. Knowing the actual repercussions from our relationship with God and actually how it grieves someone, like those things are important to find out because when you care for someone, you're not going to want to bring pain to that person and actually giving up your sexual desire to bless that person becomes easier to do when you recognize that actually I love this person too much to hurt them and if our sexual connection in this moment not only is it going to make them stumble but actually it's going to grieve their heart then that gives you a greater reason and motivation to resist and it can be really helpful. Yeah yeah, yeah. I think that that probably part of the way I, I'm, I look at it now is um, you know one I'm, I'm aware of how challenging it you know, for someone listening right now, particularly if they're a guy, um, I'm really conscious of how, you know, really difficult it can be yeah. and feel for um, for guys, particularly in a world where the culture is, you know, I remember when I was studying for my teacher training and being in the pub and we were talking about um, abstinence and sex before marriage and whatnot. And I remember um, one of the girls saying, well, how are you going to know if you're sexually mm-hmm. compatible or yeah. not unless you, you know, you get together and you have sex before marriage? I mean, and that, that was just a no-brainer um, yeah. for, for her. And I remember when I was even younger and in our estate, one of my neighbours said to me, <laughs> and I laughed, but it wasn't funny, but <laughs> when, I, when he knew that I was, um, you know, this is what I was practising, or at least my inspiration, he said, you know, Kenny, if you die and you don't have sex, even God's going to laugh at you. <laughs> 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 and you know everyone started laughing in the room and and you know um it, it's funny but it's not at the same time in the sense that if you follow that to its logical conclusion there are some people who you take to extreme and you go and seep around and we know yeah. what what can happen right um but i guess i say all that to say i am in touch with the fact that for for guys and girls but i guess as a guy and, and you know the friends I, I i've got i know it's really challenging so i think there's um you know the one thing to remember is that when I think about the things that Jesus said, and I think about the things we read in the New Testament, we can either read them as laws, um, uh, and that's one way of looking at it. And I think there is a way where you can become, where someone can become legalistic about it mm-hmm. um, in a detrimental kind of way. And I think there's another way of looking at it, which is um, what does it look like to become the kind of person that would act in this way routinely out of a place of joy and peace yeah um and that's a a slightly different way of looking at it what does it look like to become the kind of person that would not look at your your partner as an object that would not look at your partner as um just someone to um just exercise your your kind of your passions over Mm -hmm. um and I think you know it might be easy to say it now on this side when we're married but I would I would you know if I could go back in time and count to myself um, you know, I want to encourage myself to go into it practicing the kinds of things that Jesus said, rather than saying, I have to do this. And if I fail, it's going to be the end of the world. It's going to be completely fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, but going into it, saying, receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving God's grace to yeah. practice, to learn to become yeah. the kind of, you know, um, uh, uh, spouse, the kind of partner, boyfriend or whatever, that would be honoring of God. And I, I think it might sound like there's not much of a distinction, but I think there's a subtle distinction between looking at it as just a set of laws that I need to follow. Yeah. And if I don't follow it, that's it. Versus um, receiving the Holy Spirit, receiving yeah. grace okay. to yeah. learn how to, mm-hmm. to, um, to walk in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is such a joy to consecrate in your sexuality, I think. Um, and I think two people, when they're in a relationship and you're both consecrating your sexuality, you're celebrating it. You're not repressing it, but you're stewarding it with such honor and dignity. And you're not denying the fact that you have a sex drive. You're not denying the fact that you have these feelings, but actually you're consecrating yourself in such a sacrificial way that I think that there can be such a beauty to it. It doesn't negate your desires, but it does make your desire for something even better. Like that greater desire is what you end up being driven by, um, yeah, which I think yes. is a beautiful thing. And I just want to build on that, Bobby. I think there's a good point just around desires. I think and you're talking about, you know, it's not about repressing desires. And, you know, again, if I could go back in time to counsel myself, I would say, 
don't pray to repress the mm-hmm. desires, but pray for new desires. Mm-hmm. And I think God can renew our desires. Um, and and also, I'd say to people, don't kind of deceive yourself, because the other thing with this is, if you deep down want to do the things you want to mm-hmm. do, then you couldn't do it. Yeah. And so part of it is um, being honest with yourself around, you know, do I, is it that I just want to do this? Um, and then, you know, you may just need to be honest with God around that, because if if this is something you are deep down set in your heart to do, then um, you're, you're really going to be sort of chasing yourself in circles. And, mm-hmm. and I think it starts with both of you being honest about, yeah. um, do you want to, 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 to walk in a certain way in your relationship or, or not? And then there are practical things around that, yeah. right? I never forget when I was younger, someone saying to me, you know, um, you know, make sure you're fasting because, you know, you know, all of those things or, or just throw yourself in a cold shower. You know, the things that we often talk about. Um, and those things were were helpful. But I realized looking back now that um, I needed more than just abstinence from certain mm-hmm, things. Exactly. So it's also learning what are the things that put you in touch with the grace of God mm-hmm. in an easy, easy way, easy way. And for some people, it might be worship. For some people, it might just be fellowship in mm-hmm. groups. It might be, mm-hmm. there are lots of practical things yeah. that can help us do the good things that we know we should be doing yeah, um, so good. that don't just involve abstaining yes, from something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, B, did you want to jump in and say anything? Because I, I want to follow on from that, Ken's, but I want to give B an opportunity to... Yeah, actually, Kenny's done the thing in it. You said that. Because <laughs> what I want to add to that is... Um, I love what you've just shared, Kenny, because again, something I share is that refraining from counterfeit intimacy is only half the battle. It's actually enjoying true intimacy because you might have so many people that are refraining from all the things that they're not meant to be doing, but they're still perverse on the inside or they're not full. They're still empty on the inside. And actually it's what we feed ourselves with that really fills us up. And so I think abstaining from illegal intimacy if you like in a relationship is just one thing but then replacing it with healthy intimacy emotional intimacy creative intimacy you know non-sexual touch and so if you are dating and the whole focus is on sensuality and the whole focus is on actually you know desiring one another then what's exotic is going to become erotic but if you're able to move away from that and engage in a healthy way and you're able to do things with each other that actually the fixation isn't on sexuality, but you're building life together, you're being intimate intellectually, you're talking, you're playing games, you know, you're doing all of those things. So then you begin to put your attention on something that's far more healthier. It's still fostering intimacy, but actually it's taking the attention off the illegal intimacy if you like um, and focusing on the intimacy that you are able to cultivate and strengthen in your relationship yeah 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 absolutely it reminds me of a question that I would often ask God and ask myself when we were dating um, and many maybe people listening are thinking this which was Lord why why would you put limits on something that is such Mm -hmm. a healthy natural expression and I never forget I'd always kind of ask that question um and that's why i think and again for people that are are asking the question or, or maybe there are people listening who are in a different place in terms of mm-hmm. you know what they believe about you know whether you should abstain from sex before marriage or or whatever what degrees you should be yeah. you should accept and tolerate in terms of intimacy and sex um i think it is for each person to honestly open their hearts before god and and yeah. to to see what the word says and, and to ask for the Holy Spirit to to um, to guide them on that. Because, um, as I say, there are some, the way the world does it is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can it can condition our minds Actually. to see sex yeah. and um, relationships in a particular way that is very different to, to the way um, yeah. God's. Yeah. You know, when I think of the definition of lust, the definitions that I usually work with, which is mm. lust is satisfying a legal need in an illegal way and so Mm. 
the need for sexual pleasure or the need for intimacy and the need for you know sexual connection all these are actually valid needs but when we try and fulfill these needs outside of marriage then actually mm-hmm. we're taking a legal need and we're trying to satisfy it in an illegal way and so i think when you are considering what's too far for me if i'm dating like how far can i go sexually with someone i think anything that doesn't lead to lust you know that's the bottom line and so if you're kissing someone and you're just using your lips and it doesn't lead to lust then i think that is okay in your relationship but if kissing someone leads to more and leads to lustful thoughts and leads to you trying to satisfy a legal need illegally then i would suggest that that would be your your boundary basically anything that would cause you to lust and only each individual each couple knows what that line for them is between them and god mm. yeah great <laughs> anyway guys i just got a couple more questions um so let's talk a little bit about the premarital counseling stuff so what have you found are there like common issues that tend to come up when you're ministering that you see quite a lot when it comes to couples dating and needing ministry before marriage are there any areas that you you tend to get highlighted quite frequently um in terms of intimacy mm-hmm. mm, it's not always like the physical intimacy I yeah. think I think um the challenges are at the pre-marriage stage and um, it's not it was not I wouldn't say there's always challenges but it's the things that we you talk about it is kind of the um your connection you know mm-hmm. and being able to um if you decided that you want to get married then it's actually moving together um, closer into that place of being one um, and all the things that threaten that. Yeah. Uh, those are the things that we generally talk about and explore and strengthen the places um, that there is unity and the growing into that place of unity. I think in, in terms of the physical stuff, I think it just gets very challenging once you're engaged. Because yeah. you just feel like it's a good thing. You're engaged and you're getting close to your date. It's yeah. like you just feel like you're married, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, I'm gonna be married next week, I'm gonna be married next month, and it all becomes very pointless, you yeah. know. You're spending so much time with each other, planning your wedding, talking all the time, doing all this planning, and you might be doing that in an evening, every evening, and then you're going to your house and you're going to your house. And it seems very pointless because like in two weeks' time you mm-hmm. don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's that being engaged and, and holding to your promises to yourself and to each other and to the boundaries that you set just becomes increased, can become, and we found um, with pretty much all the couples that we have um, counseled, that becomes increasingly mm-hmm. more challenging. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On that note, how was it for you two? Because obviously you, you know, yes, you may have ended up compromising in certain areas, but the bottom line is you both actually, you know, kept yourselves for marriage. So how was it for you to actually be able to cross the threshold and know that you guys can now legally have sex um, before God? Did you feel like a real sense of freedom? Was there things that you needed to work out? Because... For some people, when they are now given permission to actually have sex because they're now in a covenant marriage, it's not necessarily something you can just switch on. Like the freedom sometimes is hard to almost um, come to terms with. So how was it for you both now actually being able to have sex, being married? I think um, there was freedom there. I think I'm sure there was relief. I think I can talk for myself. I think... I think crossing over was was fine for me. I think it was that I, I didn't I don't remember challenges myself. Um I think it was nice relief to be able to to not have that thing to uh grapple with. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Being able to be feel that release to enjoy each other in that way. Yeah. Yeah, for for me I I, d- I definitely didn't feel any um burden or um, 
I'm, I'm giving Kenny a face because I, I actually I, I handed over to Kenny because I, I actually remember it being more challenging for you, but you don't remember. Oh, what you mean in terms of you know once we were married, transition. being able to have sex, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I did say keep me honest. So I, I might have just misremembered things, or my memory's maybe a bit hazy there. But when I think back, yeah, it feels like it was pretty easy. What, what, what are you thinking that was? I um, remember it being you feeling just it just feeling not strange like having sex, but just like being able to be free in that area. I, mem- I remember very early on, for not a long time, that like it was it was um, the transition wasn't the easiest for you. Yeah, that's okay. That's there you really go, Kenny. Learn something new every day. I, 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 generally, generally, I mean, there's you know, there's a lot, that, there's a lot that's happened since then, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like, yeah, yeah. I think, mm. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, uh, you know, Kenny, if if how, if that is how it might have been for you, um, I think sometimes it would be hard to now be allowed to do something that for the last two years you have trained your mind not to do. Um, yeah. And then being able to actually do it, I think, like psychologically, I don't know if it's as easy just to be like, oh, okay, you know, I can do this now. Even loads of couples that I have spoken to um, would say similarly that when it came to the wedding night, it didn't necessarily feel as, you know, black and white as they would have thought that it would be. Like once you're allowed to have sex now, okay, great. It's just going to be amazing. But there was a grapple there in actually their psyche being able to freely enjoy what they were now allowed to do. So I would totally get it. Yeah, and that's what I do think. I mean, I haven't thought this through and prayed this through and read this through in as much um, detail as I I would like to. But I, I do think there is a, there is a danger that um, not having sex becomes a bit of an unhealthy obsession mm-hmm. in the, the um, in the premarital phase, um, and I and I get that the, the the reality is that it's a, it's the elephant in the room because of yeah. our our sex drives and and it's just as Bianca was saying, particularly when you get engaged, it it just becomes a, a big thing. But the, the, as I say, there is a you know we have to. You know, make sure we understand what it says in Hebrews, where um, you know the writer of Hebrew talks about the the bed undefiled being yeah. mm-hmm. um, an honourable thing. We kind of understand what what that means, um, but without, um, as I say, without a preoccupation around that, which I think, to your point, Bobby, I think can become dangerous for when you yeah. do get get married and you do mm-hmm. want to give yourself to your spouse, um, but because you've seen it as something as a forbidden kind of fruit yeah. in a way, it, it can cause problems. So, so I do think there is probably some work for us to do in the church yeah. um, around how we help, you know, believers um, really navigate that. And and I'm sure, you know, it's a lot of what, what you talk about and what your um, ministry kind of looks at, Bobby. And I think, um, which I think is is great. And I, I just think that um, there's a there's probably a lot um, work to be done in that, in that mm. space as a, as a church yeah. body, you know. I think like going back to that statement, like what's exotic becomes erotic and some part of sexuality, although we want to keep the sacredness of it all and we want to, you know, cherish it and honour it, but there's an element of it where that we want to demystify it, where Mm. it isn't the focus of so much. And I think when you're building healthy intimacy in a dating relationship and you've learned how to connect on all these other levels, then Mm. I think enjoying sexual intimacy becomes the icing on the cake as opposed to the be all and end all of everything where the focus Mm. is so much on sex but actually when the focus is intimacy the whole way then I think um, it's a beautiful journey that you keep building on instead of sex being a destination that you're trying to reach yeah 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 I mean even in that even in keeping your focus on that it's not to say that it will be easy yes Um, because even, you know, your sex drive, it, it, it can even feel like an invo- involuntary mm-hmm. response to the person that you are increasingly mm, yeah. caring about and loving. Yeah. So it's not to say that even if your focus and you're, and you're trying to build your focus elsewhere in a in a potentially more healthy place, that, that, that it's going to be easy yeah. to, totally. um, to achieve. I, don't, I wouldn't want to ever um, kind of make it really like one plus one equals two kind yeah, of vibes. Totally, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's the beauty of it again. Like it's sacrificial. 
It's not mm-hmm. that you've programmed yourself that, oh, you know, I'm just not going to fancy you anymore. It's like, it's because I love you so much and I love God so much that actually I'm going to sacrifice my desire until I can fully enjoy you. But that doesn't stop me from having these feelings for you. It doesn't stop me from celebrating you or enjoying you or being turned on by you. I'm just choosing out of my love for you and my love for God um, to take that desire and consecrate it and keep giving it back to God. Um, So yeah, I agree, babes. It would be so hard if you are actually sexually attracted to someone that you're with and then you're growing in affection for them and you're you're growing in intimacy with them then your feelings for them and your desire for them is actually only going to increase you know hopefully if it doesn't then obviously different story i'd be worried if it didn't yeah right? exactly you know that you both decided that the, that actually you're going you want to be together forever and this is going to be a part of your life and so then you are it's not like you you'll switch off that tap forever yeah you know that they you know, turn on at a certain point that is, the whole thing is I don't think it's designed to be easy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, you know. Totally. And even when the Bible speaks about, you know, fasting and like the only time you should as a couple not have sex is, you know, when you come away for a time of fasting and prayer. And so you denying yourself sex should actually be sacrificial and something that is going to be difficult for you to do. Because if it wasn't, then why would you have to fast it in order to draw closer to God? So... I do think that abstaining from sex is meant to be sacrificial, you know, even in a relationship where you really desire one another. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, guys, one last question. And I'm going to bring a memory to you both. So do you remember when when Ava was saying to everybody, I've got a vagina? (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about that for a minute because... um, So, Bianca, I don't know actually, Kenny, how you are, but from my experience with Bianca as as my best friend, and just because of obviously the topic that I teach, um, I know, B, that you bought certain books, you know, to help you and Kenny raise Ava and Leora with a celebration of their sexuality and, you know, just to begin to be able to sew into their sexuality at a young age. So you bought these two books, amongst other books, I should imagine, which I managed to lose, which I'm really sorry, Bianca. I'm still trying to look for those books. Um, But the beautiful thing is, is that from even when they were toddlers, you are thinking about how can I nurture them in their sexuality? How can I help them to celebrate their gender, etc.? Um, And then not too long after that, I remember that experience when Ava did discover parts of her anatomy and wanted to tell everyone about it and wanted to lift up her skirt to show people. Um, So what kind of feelings did that evoke in you and how did you both grapple with that? Because we laughed about it, but genuinely, as parents, how did you deal with Ava at that young age, you know, her discovering parts of her anatomy and wanting to show everyone how did you grapple with it so she didn't feel shame but that she also understood that it's sacred and it's not something that you're meant to be showing everyone talk me through how you navigated through that process um I mean with her kind of doing that I think it I mean it was funny more than anything and because you just understand that she's young she's she's a child that Mm -hmm. that was that was what that was um but i think we we're always aware i mean i was always aware of the need for us to have ongoing conversations about their sexuality and yeah. who they are as as young girls from an early age and i just my prayer my prayer is always and consistently lord show me when i need to speak about something before something happens outside at school mm-hmm. or something yeah she's in about this thing first so that's always my constant prayer um when do i need to speak about x or y or z um so i think the way that i deal with it is just to have really kind of matter of fact conversations about things to do with sexuality keep the conversation quite short allow them to ask questions and keep it very much in the course of us talking about whatever and then talk about something else afterwards so it feels very very normal Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the way that I approach all these sorts of things and they're curious so also if they ask a question I try to answer their question um so I've always taught them from a young age you know their body parts the correct names of those um boys body parts for a long time I think they're still I don't know if 
they still call them peanuts, but they did that for a very long time called called penis peanuts. Peanuts. And Leora did. Leora, yeah, and Avery, yeah, for a bit. Um I think I've just kept we just kept the conversation going. Um recently we I think it's been harder for you and you for a while you let, tried to leave it all to me, but I actually thought that was quite yeah, you're right. you're right. You're for right. you to you to kind of be a part of that conversation or just have normal conversations like that. They don't have to be this hey, yeah, let's I, I didn't sit know how down to. Yeah. and let's have a sex talk. Um bear in mind they're only five and seven. So um I've just kept it really straight, you know, in terms of we recently had the like what is sex and just kept it quite anatomical mm-hmm. and um factual and they ask some questions and they just don't really care but just realizing that it's not a one-time conversation it's a constant conversation um and so also like about sexuality and how different people regard their sexuality and homosexuality that all those sorts of things having like very introductory conversations Mm -hmm. about these sorts of things at their stage Mm -hmm. of life is where we're at Mm -hmm. but kind of and bringing those things up being proactive to bring those conversations up um, or jumping on like a moment that feels like let's have that conversation but it's not really uh, it have to be intense it's just yeah. in the course of life yeah. that's how I approach it generally mm-hmm. and if there's something that they can watch if I can find something good then I'm about that life too yeah because you are I mean you know it's a constant struggle to have to keep monitoring what they're watching because absolutely everything seems to have some kind of innuendo or some kind of just root that really is not what we want the girls to consume so you're constantly having to stay on top of any kind of entertainment isn't it that they may be exposed to all the time yeah and they but they're quite good they they kind of yeah they are yeah we have a process they have the you know they're scrolling their Netflix. They have to ask me what to watch. Yeah. Well, check it out. Check out some reviews and stuff like that. Yeah, that is definitely a thing that for me is really important because television does and programs it does teach them mm-hmm. things. And when, especially when you're young, you kind of put yourself in the place of the person that you're watching. Like your imagination mm-hmm. wow. puts you in that place. And so even if there's some superhero hero or something, they will come away and they will they will play games as if they are, mm-hmm. are that person that mm-hmm. puts them in the place of that person so I'm always thinking what is the person yeah. that they're imagining mm-hmm. they are what is that person teaching them how the how, how is that person teaching them how to interact how's that scenario mm-hmm. teaching them how to treat other people and how to communicate and are they rude or yeah. um how to speak to other people and and then all, also the things around intimacy and sexuality so um what they watch is super important um yeah, just having the conversations all the time so and really trying mm-hmm. to, not all the time, it's not true, but um, often enough that it feels yeah. very, very normal. Yeah, so good. Um, mm. Ken's for you. Can you unpack that a little bit in terms of what Bianca said, um, that you kind of for a little while yeah. left it to her? Yeah, just, I guess, yeah, just really briefly, I guess, because there's, it, isn't, it isn't that deep, really, apart from the fact that, you know, I, I, I grew up with six brothers and yeah. so you know I didn't have any sisters and so um just it's all quite foreign to me thinking about um the girl's anatomy and body and how mm-hmm. you have to even think about how you talk about that with your children um if I had a son I feel like I'd be I'd be quite comfortable talking mm-hmm. about sexual issues because it's just something that I I know as a guy quite easily so I think it was more around yeah. um, uh, just the, the the gender side and and so yeah, I did. I did end up sort of circling around the issue a little bit and kind of bringing Bianca into the conversation, or or just not tackling it head on and saying this is this, this is that, this is yeah. how babies have are made and, and all of that. So it was. I mean, when we did have that conversation, I was probably I think I was the one that started it, and then Bianca joined the conversation, and we ended up having it. Uh, so it was it wasn't as as challenging as I thought is mm. it, it might have been. I mean, I think that is the thing of having two girls. There's mm. just some things that yeah. Bianca's going to be able to relate to, and other things that you would probably be the best person for. I do feel like it's important when you're raising kids that actually, when conversations like this do come from both of you, I think yeah. it, I think it could build something weird if they only ever spoke about yeah. sexuality stuff with me, um, because it, it potentially. They might never feel comfortable talking about that sort of thing to with with a man, or I mean, that's what where my mind yeah, goes. That might not totally. be true, 
you know, it might not be actually a true thought and, and the true outcome, but um, those are things that kind of, just to help our children to just be discerning and be able to just be comfortable with who they are navigating this whole world. But also, I'm, I, I, I think in general, this whole area, I'm most, part of me, if I'm honest, is motivated by fear a little bit because yeah. they are in school and the world is the world and the way the world is right now and the internet <coughs> and social media and all these things that they are fast approaching, kind of being interacting with. Um, I think for me, honestly, there is a little bit of a fear that mm. I don't want to um, back away from yeah. this to the to their detriment so yeah. I need to kind of I have to engage um, <coughs> I have to engage with yeah. Kind of, yeah. You, yeah definitely I think parents have to be on the offensive you can't wait to be on the defensive like no way yep. and the fact that you and that's what I love babe about the fact that you get the books and you're speaking to them about anatomy and you're speaking to them about you know body form and all of that because if you don't someone else will um and then just going back to I think Kenny's role like I think it's fine, you know, at this age for the girls to hear about body parts and all of that from you. Um, But I think ultimately, because Kenny, you are their role model for what a man is and how they see you is what they're going to look for when it comes to dating and when it comes to a spouse. And I think ultimately, as long as you are role modeling intimacy in a healthy way, and that they recognize that your demonstration of manhood and your demonstration of love and affection and validation, as long as that's in place, um, I think at a young age it's okay if the definitions and stuff come from mum, but like be like you've said, a mum and a dad really do have to have that input in the nurture of a child's upbringing when it comes to intimacy and sexuality just so that they have healthy roles and like healthy dynamics with both sexes which I think for for the girls actually they do really really well and that's a testament to them having beautiful relationships with both of their parents yeah Yeah. (laughs) and I think one final thing I just want to say I, I think people listening to this podcast will I'm sure have heard this a lot that you know, as you get older, your libido changes and, and you've got some couples who will, you know, have sex like rabbits, even until they're in their 80s or whatever, potentially. Um, and, and other couples where it, the dynamic is different depending yeah. on, on the makeup, the chemistry, the, the aspirations, the energy motivation, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that, you know, I just, I do want to stress that and say that I think I made the point earlier around how we can end up becoming slightly preoccupied with, mm-hmm. <clears throat> with with sex itself. And clearly it's a, a massive part of romance. It's a massive part of intimacy. It's a massive part of building um, connection and closeness. Um, that said, I think we, when you are, if you are dating, if you are, you know, engaged, um, you know, I'm reminded of Jesus when Jesus was talking to, I guess, the Pharisees. Um, and, I, I, and the Pharisees, are, are, Pharisees asked him, you know, um, why I think the disciples weren't doing something or, or the importance of something in the law. can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But his response was, um, you should have done some X, but also not neglected these yeah. other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's these other things that I think are so easy to neglect. And what I yeah. mean by that is there are some basic um, interaction, friendship, uh, communication issues and skills that are needed to make marriage work and mm-hmm. therefore to create the foundation upon which sex can, healthy sex and, can and great enjoyed. sex can be yeah. built, mm-hmm. you know. And so I would just encourage people to, you know, basic things like how receptive are you to feedback, mm-hmm. you know, to how receptive are you to honest, um, to having honest communication with p- people that are close to you, you know, um, how much self-work have you done to kind of understand your yeah. own personality and kind of understand your own family upbringing and, and what, what dynamic you're going to bring into the relationship. And I just encourage people to, um, to again, not neglect those yeah. interpersonal skills that are so vital mm-hmm. for relationships. Because when I think about the people that we've supported in their premarital phase, often there were some basic, you know, blind spots that people had that they just never paid attention mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'd been focused on the sort of quote unquote spiritual things yeah. Yeah. Um, and really neglected some of those other things which I think just on a human level are really necessary for intimate relationships and, and for flourishing in marriage. Yeah, so good because um, I know 
that as Christians we can be guilty of making everything super spiritual but emotional intelligence and emotional intimacy and actually unpacking just the wider I guess dynamic of what really builds connection like if you don't do all of those things then sexual intimacy itself cannot thrive without that wider dynamic of openness and honesty and emotional health like all of that stuff is so crucial so I love that you've actually addressed that um and B I don't know if you want to add anything to that um, actually one thing wasn't there which no. we don't need to unpack but it's probably another thing for another podcast but just it was really interesting for us the whole thing around the role of the man and the role of the woman mm-hmm. and the whole piece around submission that did have a, a big impact on and it was it was challenging to navigate our own expectations and our own perceptions of what it meant to be a wife, what it meant to be the husband and all mm. of that. So feel free to unpack that. Um, so just for context, so, you know, we, I guess, like many other Christians grew up and with, uh, you know, you look at Galatians 5, I think it is, where we talk about um, the husband being the head of the home and Christ being the head of the um, church. And, and you know, when you look at the passage, it talks about the woman, the man loving the wife as, as Christ of the church, but the woman mm. submitting. Yeah. And then towards the end, Paul talks about both submitting to one another. Mm. And I think that, we had a lot of power plays, a lot of kind of power struggles early in our relationship in terms of yeah. um, who should be doing what and how we should be interacting. And I guess my point was, for me, I think that affected yeah. the um, the level at which I felt able to draw close to Bianca. Mm-hmm. If I felt that she wasn't submitting um, to me in a way I thought she should do. I now look at it differently, <clears throat> much more differently in that I don't go in... Ex- I, I just don't expect submission. I know it might sound strange, but I don't, I think it's slightly weird to start off in a relationship and expect submission. Yeah. Now I just think that's quite strange. Now, do I think that, um, uh, you know, Bianca submits, um, there will be conversations and things that we talk about where Bianca will make a decision to submit, but I don't ask for submission and neither do I um, expect it. I just now see it as, um, a natural consequence mm-hmm. of um, two people that are submitting themselves under God is that both will submit one to another. Um, do I have a, a role as a head of the home? Yes, I, I do believe that. But um, I think my initial reading of the scripture meant that I think I was a little bit warped in how I was yeah. um, interacting with Bianca. And as I said, I think that affected um, my ability to feel intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, long the too long didn't read as people like to say the TLDR is, um, you know, just if your wife isn't submitting to you, that shouldn't be a blocker um, to intimacy. In fact, I think it's the other way around. I think you pursue the intimacy and the quote unquote submission, whatever that looks like. All of those things are spin off benefits from pursuing yeah. the intimacy. That that's where I look at it. I could be wrong and open to being challenged by. You no, it's so, so good, because I, I also think that um, you're so correct, Kens, when you say that these things actually do impact the way that we do connect and we are intimate with one another, because even when I consider um, a guy pursuing a girl, like I think that there are distinctive roles. I do think that a guy should be the one to pursue a girl, but that doesn't always work out because you could have a guy who's like super shy and then he doesn't end up pursuing a woman and he doesn't necessarily end up rising up as the pursuer, as the one who I think God ordained to be the pursuer. And I think similarly in in marital roles or in the context that you're talking about, in order to sometimes want someone to submit to you, you also yourself should be leading. And then, you know, sometimes you can grapple where the wife might feel that she's not necessarily being led by her husband. So then she might find it hard to submit because she might not rate his leadership, you know, like and vice versa. And so I think all of those things are so crucial and they do impact Um, connection because they impact how we see one another and how we accept one another and how we honor one another Um, so I can totally understand that that's a journey that you both have gone on and then I'll just say one last thing in regards to that in my conversations with Bianca and just in our relationship as friends I know that for B it has always been so important for her to submit to you in the sense that she will ultimately the bottom line will be for Kenny as the head of the house he does ultimately have the final say and 
although she might do certain things better than you, or there'll be certain things that she might be responsible for in the house, and then you might do other things. But actually, from what I understand, ultimately, she honors and respects the fact that you are the head of the home, even if that means there's some things that she might not necessarily have done that way. I mean, babes, correct me if I'm wrong, Bianca. Kenny's eyebrows lifted up to <laughs> the heavens. Well, in, in part because... Heavens, when he said yeah, that. Yeah, in um, part, in yes, part because surprised and shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, in, in in part because heaven, yeah, heaven help us if we um, got to rely on on me um, completely making the final decision. I I, I rely on um, hearing what Bianca thinks about things, and yeah. um, I rely on us talking about it together. And so, yes, yeah, um, you're right. Bianca does um, hold these things as important. But um, I certainly never want to be grasping for some some authority because I think yeah. um, I, there's just as you say, Bianca. Probably there's there's lots of things that I just don't know. But I think yeah. your uh, your eyebrows lifted up to the literal third heaven because, <laughs> um, because we 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 can both be quite strong at times in the things that we think are right, and so you do get pushback from me um, on things absolutely, and so I think part of that surprise was that actually we do have to communicate and talk and work through decisions often but I think um I think we're more in a place where we know each other's strengths we actually yeah, respect each exactly. other's strengths and it's a power play and um and so I and mm. I you will just let me get on with something yeah. and I will be the same with you and so um I think that's part of what it feels like um and I think so and I and I and then I think I definitely do before every before lots of mostly all of our decisions mm. are if I'm going to do something I think with Bobby as well I'll be like I have to ask Ken I'll see what Ken's what yeah. saying or mm. just check with Ken so I think I think it's just a oneness thing as well we've grown more in oneness with each other thank goodness after ten years and mm-hmm. we expect it and so it's less of trying to get each my way and your way it's more on the same team not, not unhappy. Like I just I can't feel comfortable in my in in getting what I want. It yeah. doesn't feel as great. So I think we just I think it's we value our oneness when we're we're growing in that even further as well. Yeah, so good. Amazing, amazing, amazing um, sentence to end on. Um, So guys, I'm going to ask you both to pray because it's just been so good and I don't even know what you're going to pray, but just pray anything that you feel is on your heart for the listeners who I don't even know, you know, people that are maybe dating, parents, young couples, like whatever, anything that you feel on your heart to pray, um, just go for it. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this conversation um, and to be able to talk about these things freely. Um, and I ask you to bless this conversation mm. and bless those that hear it. I think my biggest prayer um, right now is that for everybody that encounters Bobby's podcast, encounters this episode, that they will um, go deeper in their journey into the sea with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me that's one of the biggest that is yeah. the biggest change and that's always the biggest change and when I mm-hmm. I'm not pursuing my intimacy with you like everything else seems to like decay almost mm-hmm. and yeah. lose its sparkle and lose its shine and I, I, I tend to regress and so I pray for all of us yeah, and for everyone so listening good. that mm-hmm. there will be um a real surge forward in intimacy and relationship and companionship um, and submission to you, Lord God, that um, that every listener will begin to feel you close and begin to bring you into every decision and will grow in their integrity and honesty towards you, that they will value, mostly in their relationship with you, the, the ugly truth over a beautiful lie, that we will just um, uncover ourselves before you and allow you to um, build our identity. So that's my biggest prayer, Lord, and I, and I ask that for every listener. Yeah, Father, I agree with, with all that Bianca's prayed, and I thank you for thank you for Bobby and this platform and this podcast. Um, and we do just I pray a blessing over everybody that's listening. Mm. Um, Lord, you know that we we live in a culture where um, our relationship with sex, our relationship with intimacy, is is warped, is is up you know upside down. Yeah. Um, the values we hold in this area in, in a wider culture are um, not kingdom values. And 
And so I, I want to pray for those listening. And I just pray, Father, for a restoration um, of, you know, pure purity, sexuality, a restoration around identity yeah. when it comes to um, all of these things we've talked about. Um, I also pray just for strength. Yeah. I pray for a strong measure of your grace on the relationships, on the couples, the marriages, um, for everyone that's listening. So I just, we extend peace and, and grace to everybody that's listening. And pray, Father, that would you um, renew um, our vision for purity, mm. renew our vision for consecration and connectedness. And above all, Father, I just um, thank you for the joy, yeah. the joy of relationship, the yeah. joy of intimacy. And would you restore to us a sober joy um, in this space, Lord. And um, I bless Bobby and all that she's doing. And I thank you that you cause her um, to go from strength to strength um, and to just have even greater insight into this area in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Let um, people know how you guys can be reached, maybe on Insta, like social media or email, if anyone did want to reach out to you both. So how can someone do that? And mainly on Instagram, really, it's it's that Bianca Rose. Um, and if you'd like to email me, it's b b e e at biancarose.co.uk. And uh, yeah, get hold of me on Instagram. So if you just type in my name, Kenny Temwell, it's Kenny T E M for Mike O W O, and you should find me on Instagram. Uh, and and email. So yeah, rktemwell at gmail.com. Yeah, happy to hear from anybody that wants to get in touch. Amazing, amazing. Guys, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and your goodness. This is going to be such a cool two-parter. I love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love you too, Bob. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when a new episode is heading your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again, and thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast.